Before this episode began, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Take Back Our Republic. Take Back is a great organization that's tackling some issues such as gerrymandering, dark money in politics, foreign contributions in politics, and campaign finance reform, which are all issues that I feel we definitely need to take some action on. And I am uh, very excited to see the proposals that Take Back has put into place and uh, put forward being actually carried out. And uh, I'm asking that you go check them out. Their website will be in the description of this episode, and that is takeback.org. That is takeback.org. Go check them out. Folks, what a week it's been when it comes to the uh, the political happenings in our country. It's another episode of CC's Word, and um, I want to go through what's been going on with the stimulus situation. That's something that everyone's, I'm sure, been very interested in seeing uh, what's happening. So yesterday, Congress essentially just uh, said that they they have stopped negotiating. And so um, it, it looks like they really don't plan to do anything in the near future is, is, is essentially what's been said. And so um, the, the, the most recent news is Trump signing an executive order. President Trump signed an executive order that would provide extra $400 in unemployment benefits. That's down $200 from the $600 it was a month and uh, suspend some student loan payments and protect renters from eviction. So that's from the Associated Press. Very, um, very interesting uh, move by Trump. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't know. Some people are saying that this is unconstitutional, so I don't know if this is something that's really going to go through. I um, I wouldn't, like, you know, bank on it right now. Uh, but I would say, I mean, it's something, right? And Trump is, of course, I mean, I can go through the episodes. I, I, I think I criticized him quite a bit, but, you know, doing something better than nothing, right? And so, the only situation that I see being an issue is that this Whaley probably it can't go through, and it's just kind of a move to make it look like he's doing something, but he's really not able to do anything. So then um, we're still in the same situation of nothing happened. So what I want to do is take a look at the different uh, proposals first. So the Democrats, they had this uh, proposal called the HEROES Act, and uh, the total cost of this stimulus package would be $3 trillion. And uh, the stimulus check payment was going to be the same as the CARES Act from March with uh, 12000 or excuse me, $1,200 at $12,000, $1,200 to single filers earning under $75K a year, $2,400 for joint filers under $125K a year, reduced $5 per $100 of income above limits. So basically the same as that act, uh, the, the CARES Act was going to be uh, the stimulus payments. Uh, but they were also going to add uh, $1,200 for dependents, a maximum of three, though. That's the Democrat proposal. Uh, they continue the enhanced unemployment benefit, which is $600 per week instead of the 400 which is what the president has just signed, apparently, uh, in his executive order. And, uh, again, we'll have to kind of see if that really goes through. Um the uh, the enhanced unemployment was going to last until January of 2021 in the Democrat proposal. So that $600 is going to go from uh, March to uh, January 2021. 
for most workers, and it's a um, Mar- all, all the way until March 2021 for gig workers, independent contractors, part-time workers, and self-employed individuals. So uh, the Paycheck Protection Program, which allocated $659 billion in total forgiveness, forgivable loans for small businesses who must use 75% on payroll to, uh, to be eligible for forgiveness. So $130 billion remains, but expires on August 8th. So that's already expired, which is today, folks, when I'm recording this episode. And uh, August 8th, Saturday, this is the last day of the Paycheck Protection Program. And uh, the Democrat proposal was to expand the eligibility and eliminate 75% payroll requirement, which I um, I feel would, you know, it, it would give a lot of money to uh, small businesses. But then you wonder, like, OK, you do have to assure that the workers are being paid. So I feel that if you, you know, give money without any type of requirement, then you, you do wonder, you know, what uh, that may bring. But. At the end of the day, they uh, the, the main issue with that money is uh, is not that it was a requirement for uh, payroll. It was really, it was a require issue that you know you had. This is a payroll pay, paycheck protection program it was supposed to be for small businesses, but you ended up in a situation where franchisees got it, which I felt was was kind of not the best situation when it comes to like the fact that like McDonald's wouldn't be putting money into McDonald's. And at like locations, and I understand that you know the owners own that restaurant, but I feel as though th- that that's an issue that I, I I have with the way the money was distributed. If it was going to be for small businesses, I don't know if it goes to a McDonald's location. I think it maybe goes to a uh, an actual small business, their mom pop shops, to sure that they stay open. The uh, things that really contribute to the community and and that you know create economic uh, opportunity from within and and those are things that you know i think um both sides republican or democrat kind of miss a lot of their proposals or a lot of their you know um plans for the country but we'll, we'll keep going looking at this democrat proposal so the uh, employee tax credit which was a tax credit on 50 percent of uh, up to ten thousand dollars in wages it would increase that tax credit to 80% of up to 15,000 wages. And uh, there's no bonus for employees who start new jobs or are rehired in the CARES package. And the um, Democrat proposal, they would not have that. That's something that uh, Republicans uh, push for because it would, you know, in their eyes, push for, or it, it would. Encourage people to get a job, and and that's one thing with Republicans. We're gonna look at their proposal. I'll just say this now, and I get more into it later. There is this sense on the on, on Republican side that like people are just being lazy and they can't get a job, uh, or they can get a job but they just choose not to get a job. But there, it's kind of this break from reality where there is a situation in some places people just don't have the opportunity to get a job. Uh, because the jobs aren't there, <laughs> jobs aren't. But you know, this is an unprecedented moment when it comes to the economy, and you know, this is why <clears throat> part of me really wants to just say you should focus on just trying to, you know, get people 
from within your community to reach out to congressmen and you also reach out to your congressman representatives and try and um, try and assure that they understand that th- this is a moment where we need action for the people and you let them know what you want you know the idea of ubi the idea of um you know at least an, a, a ubi or stimulus payment from at least two thousand dollar range I, I would say from from twelve hundred dollars to two hundred dollars a month really really i would say fifteen hundred dollars to two hundred dollars a month for the remainder of the uh, crisis or for at least until january 21 and maybe up to march 21 you know like they do with the <clears throat> with the enhanced unemployment you just do that for everyone with the uh, twelve hundred dollars uh, payment or everyone that qualifies for that twelve hundred dollars they also get, you know, they could, depending on their situation, qualify to, for up to $2,000. I mean, there was a graphic that I saw on Instagram and where I, I saw on another show, uh, Oh, Cal Kalinsky. It's a, it's a, another podcast that you guys should check out. He's really good. Um, he's more on the, 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 he's more on the left than I am, but he proposes, uh, or, or talks about things and proposes ideas that I can get behind. Talks about, uh, a lot of, you know, just uh, how how our government is failing and ideas that you know would work that the people support, and uh, one of those things is you know just uh, putting money directly into the people's hands is is the way that we have seen best help people. I mean that is where we're at, and for some reason there is kind of a reluctance to do that sometimes in Washington, and uh, yet they do it for the corporations is the biggest thing, right? They put trillions into those guys, but then when it comes to Putting direct money into the people, that's something that seems to be harder for them to do. So, the Democrat proposal, of course, uh, they also extend uh, extend eviction protections, expands to nearly all rental properties in the United States, extends eviction moratoriums an additional 12 months, and allocates $200 billion for housing programs and another $100 billion for rental assistance. I don't know what rental assistance stands for for them, but on the Republican side, they don't really propose anything for that. So that is something that is needed because, I mean, when there's a situation that Trump uh, extended the rental, you know, if that's something that goes through, if Trump's executive order actually takes action, then, you know, good job, right? That is something that, that is needed. I mean, that is a, a in, in this moment, it's better than nothing. I always say that, like, <clears throat> you know, the inability to look at the president and say that he does, you know, when he does something that seems to help the people and, and is a policy that substantively helps people. Now, again, I think it's bad that we took away $200 from that, you know, instead of keeping it at $600. I think that uh, the idea that we don't have another stimulus payment is crazy, um, you know, but these are things that Congress is supposed to do and they have not done that well. And this is why I'm going to say it. Several times throughout this episode, call your representatives, call your senators, at least your state representatives, your state senators. You can definitely get to them, but also reach out to the national and uh, your, your like your your state your senators and your representatives that go to Washington D.C. to represent you. We're uh, we're at an interesting time, folks. I'm gonna keep going. I'm just uh, and, and the reason why I'm going through this is because I'm going to. You know, I want everyone to understand like what both sides are putting forward, and you choose for yourself how you uh, want to. You know, which side you you support 
I'm just giving you the straight facts of what they do. I'm telling you, you know, I always distinguish what my opinion is and what facts are. And so, you know, don't just listen to my opinion and, uh, and, and, and feel that it's right. Definitely do your own research and always encourage you guys to do that. And, uh, and come up with, with an opinion that's really authentic to you. So moving on. Schools reopening is something that uh, is after eviction protections and moratoriums on this list. And uh, $58 billion, this is from CNET.com, by the way. It's a comparison of the Heals Act, the CARES Act, uh, the HEROES Act. And um, this is a good article from them, CNET.com. Go check them out. Uh, but schools reopening, $58 billion for grades K-12 and $42 billion for higher education. And so there's this idea that Republicans have a conflict with this because the money shouldn't go to them if it is not opening up. Uh, you know, Trump has said that he thinks the money should go to parents. And you know, I think there's a point there. The, the kids are at home and the parents need maybe money to actually help them um, you know, while they're at home. And actually, you know, that, that could be good. But I also feel that, you know, parents have to work also. And so, you know, we have to figure out a way that we can educate our kids but also, um, you know, keep the economy going and people can keep working. And so um, what I've seen in Alabama when they opened schools, it looks, and even Georgia, I know there was a girl that took a picture of a very crowded hallway and got suspended, which is, uh, you know, crazy. But it certainly looks uh, very not safe, not COVID safe, that photo of people in school. And uh, that's certainly something I think we could do better. I think that, um, and it's tough. I'm not going to try to lecture everyone on educational policy because I'm not someone that is an expert at that. But I can just say that there's a better way to do it than what we do saw in that photo, for sure. There's a better way to do it. And if that's, uh, that's probably schools in, in many areas of the country that are opening up. Um, they, they are they are probably very close like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully there are schools out there that are actually taking efforts to uh, prevent that. But, boy, I think there were five students in Alabama or 10 and a, uh, at school in Alabama that um, had to quarantine after the first day of school. So... Take that how you want how you how you will for whether or not this is a good idea, but moving forward, uh, after schools reopen, liability protection from the coronavirus and illness is not something that the Democrats have put forward, but it is something Republicans want. And coronavirus testing. The Democrats do not put any money forward. Coronavirus testing, which is very interesting. I don't know why uh, that's something that they don't go for. I'm a little um a little skeptical of that and why isn't isn't that happening but now we look at the other side the uh republicans so one trillion dollars is their total cost for their stimulus package proposal and uh the stimulus check payment they want to keep it the same as the cares act which would be twelve hundred dollars for single filers Earning under seventy five k per year, that's one twelve hundred dollar payment. 
or one twelve for twenty four hundred dollar payment for joint filers under one hundred twenty five k. Reduce five dollars per one hundred of income. One hundred dollars of income above limits. So keeping that same as CARES Act, instead of twelve hundred like the Democrats for the uh, stimulus money you get for dependents, they want just five hundred with no age limit though. No age limit. And enhanced unemployment benefit. They want to just break it down to two hundred per week. Then up to five hundred per week to match seventy percent of lost wages when they added to state benefits. Now, when it comes to unemployment, I think that again the six hundred dollars per week in addition to state benefits is really a good way to do it. But I also think, you know, I always go back to the initial stimulus payment. I think you know the idea of a UBI where you do at least two thousand dollars a month. Um. You know, I mean, I've said $2,000 a month for 18 years older, and uh, there's someone that has some ideas that really can help the country and uh, the people, and, and I'm going to talk about her later. She just won a primary this past week. But the uh, the Republican side, they with the uh, enhanced unemployment, they want to just drop it down $200 instead of $600, like I feel like it should be. Um, now the enhanced unemployment lasts for two hundred, or two hundred dollars per week until September for Democrat or for Republicans. Democrats wanted that their payment through twenty twenty one, which would keep it six hundred dollars. I agree with that. I agree with the Democrats side on this one, but at the same time, you know, neither of them are for UBI. This is the thing that's disappointing, and this is where it's like ah. Folks, it's very hard to get behind, you know, either side because they don't propose things that it's like just money directly to the people. I mean, we have seen statistics show that this works. I mean, the V-shaped economy uh, recovery that everyone talked about on the right was fueled by twelve hundred dollars. That one payment, though. Could you imagine for a moment if you had up to two thousand dollars for some people a month? since March. You know, this would be a lot better situation for a lot of people. And uh at least a breather, certainly. Certainly a breather at the minimum, right? And I think a lot of people could use a breath economically this time. Folks, it's it's something. So they want to go through September with that $200 per week. Uh, and then they would do 70% matching of lost wages extended expiration of federal benefits until December 31. So that's 70% of matching lost wages. With with that, what I'm assuming is that they like, so they're going to cover up to 70% of the, your wages. And I don't know if that's for everyone, like for sure, or it's just like certain people might have to go them. Gonna go uh, go through that. Perhaps uh, they don't really go into details on that, and I've tried to find details on that in, in other, like uh, either articles or actually the text of the uh, bill of the Republican side, and I don't really get a clear understanding of it. But the Paycheck Protection Program they do one hundred ninety billion dollars into the PPP fund, 
which expands eligibility, allows businesses to request a second loan instead of just that one loan, eliminates 75% payroll requirement, and expands approved uses of funds for loan forgiveness. So that's pretty good. I, I think that, again, the, the, the payroll requirement... I worry about will workers really be taken care of with that, with the 75% payroll requirement for companies to get that money. And so they won't just really be able to do, you know, run rapid with it and, and not take care of the workers. That's a big thing. But, you know, that could be negated. Again, UBI, I'm going to keep saying that. We go $1,200 or at least $1,500 to $2,000 a year or a month um, for everyone that's 18 years older. Yang talked about it, folks. And I think that it's definitely needed in this time. But the employee tax credit. The uh, employee tax credit would be uh, 65% of up to $30,000 for people. And so it would increase the tax credit, which is already at 50% of up to $10,000 in wages. It would increase it for 65% of up to 30000 in wages. And <clears throat> this tax credit... Or essentially, like if you are working, you'll be able to get, uh, you know, a 65% reduction uh, through in, in credits of your taxes. And so, you know, that would certainly help a lot of people uh, of up to $30,000. So that's up to $30,000 that you're taking off. Now. Yeah, okay, I wanted to make sure I get that right. So it's, it's up to $15,000 in wages on the Democrat side, up to $30,000 in wages on the Republican side. So that is um, kind of the limit is $30,000. That's right. So bonus for employees who start a new job or hire. This is something that was not in the CARES Act. It was not in the Democrats' proposal. And on the Republican proposal, it is because they want to encourage those people to go work. Now, like I said earlier, right? There is this issue of they feel that people are just lazy and they aren't wanting to go to work. That's it's really not true for, for you know, a vast bit of this country right now. And there are people that would love to work, but they just can't. And um, the jobs aren't there, folks, in some of these situations. So, you know, there really has to be kind of that understanding when you make public policy. But for some reason, it isn't, you know. The Republicans do not want any eviction protections or moratoriums. You're getting kicked out of your house. You can't pay that rent. Or there be, uh, you, I mean, it's something. That's one thing that I'm like, what are we doing, guys? Like, if that's the proposal and that's really where you don't want to move at all on that position, it's like, I mean, come on. The, the, when you saw like 30 million people, I think it was 28 million one week, and then they were saying like 30 million people on CNBC like a few days later could be evicted from their homes. And it's like, whoa. So if that happens and you say no evictions uh, protection, it's like, whoa. No moratoriums. That's big, Republicans. I don't know about that. Schools reopening. So $70 billion to K-12 that open in-person 
classes. They're encouraging people to open in-person classes on the Republican side. $29 billion for higher education. I believe that's the same stipulation. they got to be open in person. $1 billion to the Bureau of Indian Education. So I believe that is for Native Americans. Uh, $5 billion for state discretion. Very interesting to see state discretion. So I don't know if that, that just means money to the states. Which is interesting because that's actually... Um, That's money that goes directly to the states, and uh, you know I don't see that on the <clears throat> Democrat proposal. But <sighs> the thing is, folks, it's 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 there is a situation of like I don't really know if um, it's best for us to cram people in school like they uh, saw in that photo in Georgia. Uh, a young lady got suspended for, but. Um, Liability protection from the coronavirus. This is on the Republicans' push no one else wants. It's a five-year liability protection to prevent schools, businesses, hospitals from being sued over coronavirus-related illness. Now, this is the issue, right? You want to force people to go back to school, right? And then if they get coronavirus because it's bad policy decisions that's being made, they can't sue when someone may be really, really negative affected by COVID. That's very possible. That's something that uh, it's very it's just something, man, that they really. They really just kind of slick slide stuff in there, you know. They try to do it very, very, very slick like. And their last proposal is 16 billion dollars for coronavirus testing. It's like another thing that looks you know, OK on paper there. Republican Democrats are saying no for coronavirus testing. There's no money there. There's no money that went to the CARES Act one. And uh, I mean, we're already. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to be like the top in the country for uh, testing right now. So that's good, of course. But at the same time, um, you know, I do still hear of situations where people try to get tests and they can't. So, you know, we need to try and make sure that that's not an issue. People that feel that they may have coronavirus. But, folks, I'm going to take a real quick break and then I'm going to be right back. I'm going to uh, give one more shout out in this episode, and then I'll be right back on the other side of that. Folks, I want to tell you about Woke Vote for a little bit. Woke Vote believes voting is a comma, not a period. Woke Vote drives power to the polls by building sustained civic engagement through empowering new community leaders. Our work, therefore, doesn't stop after the election's ends. Of all the many injustices, gun violence, mass incarceration, voting rights disparities, immigration, among many more, cultivating an active young community among the historically disengaged isn't critical to the creed of our fragile democracy. I love what Woke Vote does, folks, and I ask that you go take a look at their website, WokeVote.us. That is, again, www.WokeVote.us. Go check them out. So... We went over the proposals of both sides in Congress. Now I want to go back over that executive order that Trump supposedly signed uh, into law or into into action. So the uh, executive order. Let me see if I can pull it up. So there is. Uh, Executive order that uh, again, like it has been uh, signed 
but there is no uh, there's a lot of questions about whether or not it's something that can really go into place and that's it's constitutional or not so <clears throat> trump uh, signed four executive borders that uh he said would extend enhanced federal unemployment benefits defer some employees tap payroll taxes continue a temporary ban on evictions and reduce the burden of student loans his action would reduce the temporary federal unemployment add-on for jobless Americans to $400 from the $600 a week, which, uh, again, I don't really agree with. I feel you definitely need to keep it at a reasonable, uh, really, I mean, again, UBI is what I go for. We'll talk about more of that later. But, I mean, to, 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 to drop money from people at this moment. It's, it's interesting, either side that says that, whether it be the Republicans in the Senate or the President of the United States saying that we need to take some money from the American people right now at this time, it's baffling to me. Especially the fact that it's people that doesn't have work, and I, and I know that this is the idea, okay, well, they're making more money than they were working, staying at home. It's like, well, you know, again, like, there is not this, for a lot of situations, for a good bit of situations, there is this idea that you know i mean there's a yale study there's a yale study that said uh, let, let, me, let me pull that up just to be sure i quote this right and so uh, there's a yale study that says expanded jobless benefits did not reduce unemployment this came out on july 27th Right, and a new report by Yale economist finds no evidence that the enhanced jobless benefits Congress authorized in March, which is the six hundred dollars per week, in response to COVID nineteen, reduced un uh, or employment, and addresses the concerns uh, that the report, and we're gonna take a look at it. And, and, uh, the report is titled "Employment Effects of Unemployment Insurance Generosity During the Pandemic." And it goes through and just, you know, uh, it lays out like the case of why uh, the uh, unemployment benefits did not, you know, stop people from getting uh, work in many cases. It's not a situation of like a discouraged work situation of they could not get work. You just couldn't do it. I'm going to put a link to this uh, Yale article um, in the description of the episode, but take a look at it. Folks, This that's kind of a myth that Republicans, one of those many great myths that Republicans put forward, the idea of if unemployment uh, is making, people are making more money in this moment on unemployment, then they're going to be incentivized and not get a job. It's like, well, of course, that's a way to look at it, but for a lot of people, that isn't how it's how it's looked at. There's a situation right now of they just don't have the job opportunities. Instead of just giving money directly to the people you want to take away from some of their money, and instead of you know trying to actually create wealth from within these communities through investing and uh, you know putting money right into the hands of the people, there is this uh, desire to take it away. And, uh, you know, I wonder, where, um, where does the Republic go, folks? You know, if you, uh, again, if you reach out to your congressmen and, and your senators and you uh, representatives and your congresswomen, 
you uh you know let them know what you feel talk to them about ubi talk to them about the idea of uh, keeping the unemployment rate of people that can't find jobs talk to them about the idea of assuring that we do get payments and uh for more than just one time you know you try to put direct money to the people well, consumer-based economy that's the idea of uh this free market that we're supposed to have right and uh the 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 idea there is, is that you know if if the people have money then the country will do better because business will be going people will be buying things commerce will be taking place that's the you know theory there and so w- with that it's like if that's what supposedly our country is based on why would you not give money directly to people why would you not give money you know to to people that don't have jobs uh, right right now but definitely could use some purchasing power ability to get things you know trump also says that he's going to um extend the uh payments on some student loans due to the virus but the provision has set to expire on september 30th but trump's order will extend the deferments through the end of the year and uh, could further extend it later on, he says. And there's an eviction moratorium. Uh, it's supposed to, well, it did expire on July 24th. And Trump's new order instructs the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the Department of Health and Human Services, and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to enable renters and homeowners to stay in their home. Tenants of more than 12 million rental units have been at risk since the moratorium expired. Cut payroll taxes. I knew this is coming. Trump said the employee portion of the payroll tax would be deferred from August 1st through the end of the year. That is something that ended on August 1st, and they want to extend that to the end of the year. Of course, the issue, this is the thing with payroll tax cut. If you are working, you get more money. That's good. But they also don't, you know, but that, that doesn't obviously include anyone that is jobless right now. But there's also a situation where it would be a 7% tax on employee income that uh, would be basically returned to the people during that time. Uh, they, there's this idea floating in some Republican circles to make it revenue neutral, which means that people would have to actually pay that 7% back at some point, which is uh, crazy to me. Uh, that That is the idea that you're going to kind of like, basically, you're loaning people their own money, I guess. That's what you're trying to say. Um, what about stimulus checks? Trump says no executive order will, uh, th- there'll be another round of executive orders uh, that could include a stimulus check, but right now, there will not be one. The ones that he signed today, so that's where we are, folks. Trump signed an executive order. Given all that, who knows if it's really going to be able to be something that really goes through. Like I said, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But um, my thing is that, again, you know, we don't have to have a stimulus check. We don't. These are things that Congress should be taking care of. This is something that the president should not even be having to do. But also, you know, when Trump, of course, when he does do these things, it's like he doesn't take the best route. And uh, I think the idea of um, something better than nothing, though, you know, 
That's where we are. So, as I, you know, really uh, look at, you know, what's ahead, I mean, there are some things that give me hope. And I want to just leave or start to, you know, close the episode out on, on that note. And that is, uh, you know, Corey Bush won in the Missouri, uh, there's a Missouri House primary in the St. Louis area district. And uh, Corey Bush, who was someone that actually led uh, some protests in Ferguson, um, she was able to be a really big part of the community at the time. Excuse me, I burped there a little bit, folks. But uh, she was a, a big part of the community at that time. She was uh, someone that really was um, instrumental in trying to get some changes uh, for the for the people there. And uh, she won against Lacey Clay. She's a Justice Democrat, and uh, you know Lacey Clay went after her hard, and, and it's something that's very disappointing to see how dirty politics can get sometimes. Uh, I mean, going after her for things like having back taxes, which is something that a lot of people have. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's just like he went so hard in the paint in a way that uh, was not even necessary. And then he didn't really put forward policies that really helped people. Corey Bush did, though. She won that primary against Lacey Clay, Missouri. And uh, what she won, she put uh, she puts forward this idea of uh, once she is elected, she won the uh Democratic primary, so now she has to be elected in November, obviously. There's a good chance that she will win that election, though, because it has been a Democrat seat for years. And the idea is that this will likely be another Democrat seat uh, year for her, and, and she'll be the representative for that district. She proposed the idea of COVID-19 relief in the form of $2,000 a month for every person over the age of 16, and making sure that we cancel utility shutoffs, making sure we have a moratorium on evictions, making that UBI retroactive $2,000 that it lasts for a full year, which is very bold action. I love that idea, of course. I mean, it's exactly what I've been talking about. I, I propose the idea of maybe you do uh, you know, age of 18 or older, um, because that's you know based on like Yang's plan, who says $1,000 a month for 18 years older. But 16 years older, I can see a case for that. And I think that that's better than, you know, I mean, anything that's coming out of Washington right now and the idea that she's going to put this forward is amazing. I really hope it works out. And uh, I want to go into more of some uh, of her issues. You know, she goes for criminal justice and police reforms in ways that are very good. Ending mandatory minimum citizening and the three strikes law is very big. And uh, she also is big on ending the war on drugs and legalizing marijuana, expunging past convic uh, convictions on those uh, policies. And, you know, I mean, wow. You know, Expand the use of alternatives to detention, which is big. I mean, there's a situation where essentially you could stop this idea of mass incarceration when you have, you know, just remote tracking or, um, you know, the ability to put just ankle braces on people. Extend the, you know, people that qualify for that. And uh, you have to do that through law because there are a lot of mandatory minimum sentences that don't uh, allow for anything else but going into a jail cell, you know. And then uh, economic justice, she speaks on some great ideas. Start uh, or increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. I think that's big. There's a graphic the other day I saw on Instagram 
It was like uh, in 2007, uh, the or, or uh, I don't believe 2000, it was 2009 was when they increased the uh, minimum wage. In 2009, it was uh, just a uh, there was an apartment that was uh, we had seven dollars and twenty five cent. That's the minimum wage. It still is today. There's an apartment that was like eight hundred fifty dollars a month, but then the, that same apartment is raised to uh, twelve hundred dollars a month. And you still have a seven dollars and twenty five cent minimum wage. You know there is no, you know, ability for a lot of people in Washington to understand that. You know, yes, minimum wage is supposed to be the idea that it's supposed to be a temporary thing, but that's just not the reality for a lot of people. And we need to assure that you know that is something that is, you know, taken care of. And the idea of raising the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour is pretty big. A lot of people said $12 an hour. I think that's something that Biden has proposed. Let's see if he actually takes action on that. We'll definitely see if he was to win the presidential election. But Cory Bush is going to be a representative that's going to be there pushing him, I think, on some of these things, along with the rest of uh, those people that are in the squad and the more progressive ring of the Democrat Party. Support UBI. I mean, that's huge. You know, she said $2,000 a month for the rest of the year. I think that she really uh, loves the idea of maybe... I don't know if she's on Yang's plan, maybe $1,000 a month, but, uh, you know, if she says $2,000 a month for the rest of the year for the pandemic, I can certainly see at least, you know, $1,000, $1,200, maybe for, the, you know, uh, a month uh, for maybe another year. She says actually for a year, not just uh, the end of the year. So for a year, $2,000, and then maybe it goes back to $1,000 at the end of that UBI for everyone. Universal Basic Income for All Folks. That's the, the policy name. The idea is, um, you know, brought forward by my guy Yang, and you know, he's someone that I'm, you know, uh, I want to say this. When I say Yang, I mean I talk about him because he, he puts forward policies that are pretty revolutionary. But the policies is what I'm attached to more so than the individual. I want everyone to know that, you know, um, that's the thing that he kind of advocates for also, which is you know very important to understand that like. You know, the policies is what matters the most here, not the individual. And uh, he's just someone that, uh, you know, happens to be able to put forward uh, these policies in a way that most people have not. And uh, I'm here for it. And I hope that he uh, hopefully makes another round in 2024. But till then, we got Cori Bush on the scene. She's going for UBI. She's going for a $12 or a $15 minute per hour minimum wage. Then there's uh, some other things that she wants to do, campaign finance reform. And a constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United. That sounds a lot like our folks over at Wolfpack. Shout out to them, Mike Mineta, who uh, we had on the episode of CC Square where I interviewed him. But he had a great point. And uh, Cory Bush supports essentially what uh, they talk about. You know, support public finance and the elections. That really help assure that there's no fishing that's going on in some of these areas. And that also adequate funding is given to areas that need it. And public pledge to refuse all corporate lobby money and corporate PAC money. That's one great thing that I love about her campaign. She has not taken any corporate money. She has not taken any PAC money. And she is assuring that it is a grassroots and people-funded primarily type of campaign. And uh, she's a Justice Democrat also, an organization I really like. And uh, really has a lot of policies that that I feel are, are needed in our country. So... Cord Bush. People like her, folks, give us hope in these times when uh, 
the people that are currently in leadership certainly don't. But, uh, you know, don't look for the people to uh, give you hope. I think you have to just look for assuring that you can do the best you can for your folks in your situation and um, carry and fight for these policies, not just focusing on the politics of it all, the partisanship, the parties, the people, whether you like them or not. The policies where it's at. And uh, I mean, I don't like Joe Biden and uh, a lot of what he's done in the past. But if he was come out and say that he supported UBI, hey, I mean, that's a way to definitely secure my vote. I'm going to be honest with you. If he says he's going to do UBI and he actually does it, I mean, wow. He actually proposes a solid plan. I mean, that's hard for me to say. No, that same goes for, I would say the same goes for Trump. I mean, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, obviously. I mean, you know, UBI, I mean, that's a big thing, but there's also, you know, criminal justice reform. There's, you know, uh, investing in communities and, and assuring there's economic opportunity from within that's grown. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, electoral reforms, ending gerrymandering, you know, trying to get ranked choice voting. Those are proposals that I love too, and those are the type of things that you, if you went for multiple of those, then I would definitely be on board for you. And uh, the thing is that those are things that, I feel like most Americans can get behind and that would help a lot of the disadvantaged in this country. And, you know, when you look at policies in that way, you understand that this has to be looked at in a bigger picture when it comes to politics, even at the voter level, we as voters have to say, okay, what is the bigger picture here? What is really going to be the effect of this policy and how is it going to help the people? And uh, that goes for everything that comes out of Washington. I think you have to look at that. When you when I look at a lot of th- things that come out of Washington, you realize like what we just went through. I broke down and I you know gave you a generalization of the effects of all these proposals that are being put forward by the Congress and um, you know even the president. And you know I'm I'm skeptical of a lot of them, but I'm also hopeful that I mean there's some nuggets of great change in there. And the hope is that people can get in like Cory Bush, right? And, uh, you know, other Justice Democrats and, and even some people on the right that are, that are you know, more progressive in, in their thinking as far as at least more populist in the sense that they actually care for the people and put poor policies that work for the majority of the people and uh, not just those that are at the top um, and, and the, the working class, especially and helping the working class. So, you know, both sides, they're, they're, they're bright spots, but there's also right in this moment seem to be a lot of... Um, you know, you you could say dark spots. Some people say dark spots. I don't look at it as, as necessarily a dark spot. I just look at it as necessarily a situation of, like I said throughout this episode, and I'm going to say it again before we end here, if you feel that you have a policy that you want to be implemented on your behalf, reach out to a congressman, reach out to a congresswoman, representative, or a senator, uh, any uh, I mean, state level and, and, you know, the state level, I mean, you can go on the website. I've been able to get directly to like the cell phones of some representatives and senators. I mean, they have it on there. I mean, you can just reach out and talk. I mean, most likely to connect directly to them, not just to an office line. And then you can also, uh, you know, definitely uh, emailing senators and, and you know, uh, federal congressmen. Like, uh, I mean, I've emailed Doug Jones and I've been able to give the um, a response from him over some time. It's not as uh, immediate as you may want it, but you know he'll he'll give you a a, a response, and, and most of the time it's it's something that you know you just have to kind of judge for yourself whether or not it's uh it's what you're looking for. Depends on the situation whether whether or not you get it. But 
you know, what's ahead is uh, is a lot, folks. And uh, the best way to really deal with it is, uh, for one, don't freak out. Focus on uh, the bright side of what could be done if you take action. If you look at organizations like uh, Wolfpack, you look at organizations like Woke Folk, you look at organizations like Take Back Our Public, all those that I have uh, talked about and uh, gave shout outs to in this podcast. Like, look them up, do some research, and uh, get active if you want to see a change. You know, folks, that's really what I want to tell you and leave you with. Uh, next week, I am. There's a podcast that I've set up with this organization called Next Gen Politics. I want to tell you about them a little bit at the end of this episode here. Uh, Next Gen Politics is a great organization that's focusing on just getting the youth more involved in politics. And uh, Next Gen Politics is a youth-driven organization fostering a culture of cross-partisanship and civic engagement in the rising generation of leaders. And uh, they have a podcast um, called The Roundtable, a Next Generation Politics podcast. And uh, I will be on that. Sometime next week. I know we're recording it Wednesday. I'm not sure exactly when it'll be posted, but I'll definitely let you folks know. Follow me on my social media. So it'll be in the description of this episode. And uh, I will uh, see you next time, folks. I hope that you uh, feel better in the sense of the possibilities of what could be if you get active and you actually take part of this thing called politics. And uh, don't be t- so discouraged about the stagnation and the lack of action that happens in Congress at the moment. That's for now. But if we can see if we can make a change, folks, it'll be get better. So get out, get active, get informed. Have a good week.